0: Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Player of games, Rod of Quarter, videos, and at tabletop role playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition and bye bye weekly behind the scenes DM only live stream Crafting Icewind Dale, which I build right and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Maiden. You're playing characters of all Robin Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed. This is not the right stream for you, but the rest of you welcome. Morning, of course, there will be spoilers. Stream our DD sessions live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our sessions and review videos here on the channel. You can follow me on Twitter at RogueWantson. And join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you would like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net. And for streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Hope everybody had a fabulous weekend. I am getting excited about ending this campaign. We're not gonna have too many more of these crafting ice You know, it's been a part of a big part of my life for two years doing uh, rhyme of the Frostmaiden. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel weird to end it, and yet I think all good things must come to an end. Hey, James, Unverse, Sylvan, Nate, Stan. At least last week's fight, maybe you should consider removing the fight with the sword. Several characters spent all their hit dice and are still not at full health. Ah, uh, I already talking
1: balance changes, huh? You know, I will take what you say under advisement. Um... I
0: will say that was uh, an odd, f- I mean, I, I enjoyed that fight a lot, but that was one of those fights where, like, two characters took a lot of damage and thus had to use a lot of resources and things, and the other three didn't really at all. So it's gotten kind of uneven in that regard, I think, while Robin just, and he even, Chris even admitted, like, he kind of brazenly went out there and I punished him for it. And almost went down and spent all his dice. Frey spent a good chunk of hers. I think the others are still looking pretty good. I think the better thing would be to look at um, spell slots remaining. And I guess whether or not we want to let the parties long rest at some point before some kind of big fight they have coming up. Because that is a very JRPG thing to do is to let the players you know, get that free save point, that free long rest, so that they're... Perfectly reach charge for the boss fight, but D&D doesn't really work with that kind of balance. It almost Is balanced in the opposite direction where it makes you manage your resources until you get to the end and then you're left with Just whatever you got. So I'm certainly willing to hear out any kind of balance changes though because frankly at this level the players are at I it is a constant struggle for me to try to find that perfect balance that that brings challenging satisfying tactical combat but that isn't frustrating for the players other than just me giving them gobs of uh, dealing just a shit ton of damage, I guess, in the end. And maybe it's, the, maybe it's my fault for putting a lot of enemies that have crowd control abilities, but it's kind of, there's almost like a psychic psionic theme with a lot of these baddies in there, and that's kind of what ends up happening, I feel like. And that's unfortunately a big fight they're about to come up against in Ariel Arthas, who's basically the big boss brain of them all, who's certainly going to have some psychic attacks. and We're going to look at the Elder Brain as well. Edmund still has a green whistle with a chunk of cure wounds stored in it that's very true a green whistle <laughs> happy to share the journey yes james uh it'll be really fun to have the rap party for sure but i'm looking forward to so pacing wise it would be ideal i think if we can we did basically almost all of level one last week we got uh through the fight we got through the little allot battle we explored some rooms we crossed the bridge the the non-bridge and then we got to where i was teasing the eriolarthus social scene at y19j so technically that's the last thing in level one and then once we get through that scene which i have it written down where there's a chance if the players play it cool and play their cards right that maybe they can just um not be attacked in this room but more than likely they will be because and i'm going to kind of play aerial arthus as smarter than maybe they think like yes he's kind of a, he's delusional about the fact that uh Aetherin is dead and gone basically and there's no bringing it back uh but he still has his faculties about him and he he thought at first that maybe these guys were fellow you know Aetherin wizards or something but now he's got some other ideas. Oh, he's still curious about like why Katavix is with them and everything, so that might be some interesting social scenes. But I'm willing to play out this scene, but I'm also really wanting to just fire off all of these crystals as individual blasts as a nice little hazard they have to deal with for a one-time hazard. And I think I looked up... Um, oh gosh, I forgot what spell it was. There was a spell that involves shooting off radiant blasts. I think it was Wall of Light, actually, maybe, that, that fires these. But I was going to have each crystal, whenever Errol either gets mad or the players decide to attack his hologram or whatever leads to uh, battle shenanigans, he'll just snap his fingers or something and all of these different crystals embedded in the this kind of star-shaped formation will overload and fire off a single blast of energy. Which... I wrote down, it's going to have a plus eight. Each one's going to have a plus eight to hit. I'm going to randomly determine which one they're targeting. Just anybody in the room, essentially, and use token fate for that. I've got 11 of them. And if they hit, they deal 4d8 radiant damage. So it's no saves involved. It's purely AC at that point. Because they're just kind of following the, like, Scorching Ray rules or something. So it's one little trap they have to deal with there. And that's just a one-time. There's not going to be an initiative or anything. It's just a one-time overload of blast of energy. And then... The hologram dissipates. Uh, In the ceiling, they can climb up or fly up, whatever wings they have, and they enter Y19K, which is the official second level of the Spire. We've gone over this before, but just to reiterate, uh, there's a a permanent wall of force dome around this top of the room, I guess. I guess you go through the ceiling and you see it encircling the top, so you can't really get beyond it. However, it is powered by a crystal. I don't remember where it is. A glowing glowing green crystal roughly the size of a human fist is set into the arch above the doorway. So that would be down here above the door. The glowing crystal sustains the wall of force but has become loose in its stone fixture. Whenever a loud noise is made inside the chamber, the loose crystal flickers. Tremendously loud noises, such as those made by a thunder wave spell or a horn of blasting... Cause the crystal to go out for 1d6 rounds, during which time the wall of force is suppressed. That's only seconds. First time this happens, the ice that coats the dome collapses. Mm-hmm. So can you see through the ice? You send an overall wall gl- glittering with frost. They create the walls and I don't know if you see A 10 foot dome, radius dome of translucent ice. Enclose the area around the shaft from which you emerge. So I wonder if you think you're in like a dome of ice, actually, the way it's described. That's interesting blade-shaped patches of pitch darkness hovering the the other side of a double door, which they would begin advancing, I think. I don't know. I like these swords, though. I think the swords are fun. Um, they actually have a boatload of hit points, but not a lot of AC, and they're just a very simple attack. They do a fuck ton of damage if they hit, and they can crit better. They have a three times amount of crit, and when they crit, they do a absolutely monstrous amount of damage. And the scary thing about them is that they do get multi-attack if they are within five feet of somebody. Uh, anybody that starts their turn within five feet of it. So during their first round, they're not gonna be able to get that reaction. But from then on, they can pretty much get two attacks off each round, which is pretty scary. So these things could do some nasty, nasty damage. We only saw that one once before during the library fight. And Frey was able to solo it, but it got pretty dicey with how much damage that thing did to her. Another fight would be good to push them. They have health potions. They do have health potions. Good point. Yeah, I don't... I mean, they're level 14. I think they've got plenty of options up their their sleeves. And I think this is... Like I said, they've got that crystal thing, which there is a chance they... I might not pull the trigger on that, but I'm kind of liking the idea of it because it just feels very cinematic and cool to have the... uh, Even if they don't piss him off, maybe just as part of his, like, dissipation, he'll fire off the crystals and try to shoot him. But I don't know. The the swords feel very cool. I just... It's an interesting... Situation here that I don't even think I need to change from what's written, honestly. And even though it was written for
1: level 9, which would be deadly as hell for level 9, these are just level 14. What CR are these things? CR8.
0: A pair of CR8s. This is a nasty, nasty fight for what would normally be a level 9
1: dungeon. I'm actually kind of shocked by that. because initially they come up here and then i would probably roll initiative for these
0: swords give them numbers and it says the swords can specifically pass through the wall of force so the idea is they kind of trap the players into not being able to kite them around and dealing more damage i guess the players could always go back down the shaft and then it's determined by me if the swords follow them i would probably rule that the swords don't follow them and stay out of the dome so it really forces the players to come deal with them in some way I don't know if they have any sound based spells they can do that would be something to look up uh and would Katavix know You would basically consider this to be like a, a, a magic version of a locked door only open on the inside and maybe referencing the fact that there's you know like on the wall or somewhere there's a wizard that can normally switch this green crystal off and on and it's just been permanently set to on uh Edmund, maybe? I wonder if the Chime of Open... I guess the Chime of Opening wouldn't work on the Wall of Force, obviously, but... it could work on... I mean, he's got
1: Fabricate. He hasn't been able to use it. Edmund still has a lot of spells slots, by the way. Uh, they also, I think, have Teleportation met- Like, can Gaseous
0: Form get through Wall of Force? I guess it says nothing physical. Well, probably not, but...
1: I mean, doesn't uh, Valravin still have teleporting abilities? That could come into play. Also, isn't Valravin still under the effects of the Death Ward spell? Wasn't that Valravin that had that? I wonder if he wrote
0: that down somewhere. Chris, I love you for reflavoring all your spells, but I really need to know what spells these are, because I can't look at
1: them and determine what they are. This Net Whisperer is actually the opposite of a... Base spell. I'd be I'd be willing to
0: basically listen to the players and see what method they have of solving this essentially, but I would clue them into the fact that and and Katavix would be able to add to that that the wall of force is powered by this green crystal. But it almost seems like they probably wouldn't. They probably just deal with the swords first and then have to figure out how to disable the crystal but it could even be a thing where like I don't know if they're really out of options like shouting or you know something um, could possibly just loosen it to where I, obviously you don't want to just trap the players in there for being able to advance but it could be interesting if they try to dislodge it during the fight what they have now is all they have to the end of the boss fight if you allow them to have a long rest after yeah yeah, I mean, I, what do you all think about that? Because we've got the we've got the e- 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 fight coming up, and then what I'd like to do is immediately transition to because the problem is when they defeat e- 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 Arthas, that's what's going to shut down the whole uh, force field surrounding the spire. So they really can't dilly dally after that. They got to get down to the Mythalar and get on it. So I may be asking a lot of them if they don't long rest first. So their best opportunity to long rest would be before the Uriel Arthas fight would be here, like before they enter into this chamber. But then I, I, yeah, mm. <laughs> I don't know. I could let them do that. It would, I, I would then have to create a more challenging series of final battles on the flip side, is if they don't get to long rest again, and they do this entire dungeon, and te- I mean technically they haven't long rested since the end of the Tower of uh, Divination, I think, right? When they leveled up, which I'm proud of my players. That's one thing we really like to. We I, I really love them to the to death about that is they do not abuse long rests almost ever. Every once in a while they'll talk about it, but they do a pretty good job of not. Uh, you know, overly relying on that system because I think the balance of D&D really goes out the window if you long rest too much. I am concerned about not letting them long rest enough, but at this level, I mean, the spellcasters have so many spell slots. Like, I, I, I fear that would make my job a lot harder if they long rest and then I have to scale it up versus they're not long resting. They keep getting depleted and then I can fix things the other way if I need to just have, you know, fewer minions or something. Yeah, I could even have, a like, a mini thing where it's, like, maybe some of them get some hit points. back. But, like, even Stan was saying, like, they have a lot of potions of healing between the two of them. So, if they literally need... He- I mean, didn't they say Celeste had, like, four greater healing potions? Yeah, that she's got, like... They've got some healing methods, for sure. Now, you know, talk to me again after this sword fight. Maybe this sword fight, I'll just carve them a new asshole. And I don't know. Well, it could be tricky, but... As of right now, I'm leaning towards not letting them long rest. I guess
1: for the rest of this campaign is what we're looking at, which seems kind of crazy but put a library thing in here, but I don't know what I'm looking for need a uh this is a y nineteen o Which I'm gonna keep as a library. There you go, just bookshelves. Rend out bookshelves. Bookshelves? By one. Oh, yeah, it does look better. That doesn't look odd at all. If they manage their resources well, you ask much of them. a very oddly shaped room. Yes. They will fight Aurel. Teased her long enough. I I literally teased her uh, at the end
0: of the Aurel's Abode. I gotta have a cool boss moment where like... uh, The players have to like run from the boss because she's so strong then and they couldn't take her and now they can
1: try to fight her. Yes, and we'll have to talk about how to balance Auro for that level.
0: But she's also going to have minions with her, and Avaris is going to be with her with her forces. Um, I could do a fun thing where if they've kept Cadavix alive, then Cadavix can maybe stun her for a round or something. We can definitely talk about that. Um, but I really want to focus on this second level because I think the goal for this coming session is to get the players from this point to the Eriolarthus boss fight. So we've got the little crystal social encounter at the end of level one, where we'll be able to talk to Iriolarthus, and he'll be able to just, it'll be a good chance for me to actually uh, socialize the villain before they fight him. Then we've got the dome, the wall of force with the swords. I think I'm just going to actually keep all of this as written. I think it's really interesting. The players haven't really come across a impenetrable wall of force before, can't be dispelled, I think the only thing you can do is teleport, Um, but there's a crystal that they can knock over, and then that dissipates it, but in the meantime, they gotta deal with these living blades, which are very, very strong offensively, and have enough hit points to stick around. So I think that could be pretty painful. Then, and and all of that is just as written, so I I think I'm almost gonna keep it, even though (laughs) this is a level nine dungeon, like that's, these things are pretty strong. I think a pair of those swords would be pretty nasty. Especially in the situation where the players pop up out of this thing, the swords immediately, like we could roll for initiative. The only awkward thing is if a player goes up there to scout it out, which makes sense, they see the swords, I roll initiative, if they beat me on initiative, they could just fuck off and go back down the shaft, in which case I'll probably just take everybody out of initiative again. It's like, all right, well, now you know what's up there. (laughs) But, the swords will not follow. And the players can't get far up there, and even if they try to like throw, you know, spells up there, they the swords know to stay beyond the wall of force, so it really forces the players to get into a position for the swords. Uh the testing chamber is next. This is the fucked up trap. A magical trap fills the ten foot square south of the double doors, triggers when every creature that is neither a construct nor undead enters the area for the first time. First of all, why would
1: it be triggered to do that? Like, the wizards normally have to come this way. That's crazy. Creature can't set off the... I mean,
0: unless you... Okay, it's just everything's in emergency lockdown mode, so all the security systems are in place. They're normally not in place. Like, there's normally not swords that are ready to kill you, for example. It may take damage in the star room. The sword fight possibly doubles from the doors and the boss and the free-for-all at the end. I know. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy, and that's <sighs> all I can say is they're level fourteen. They got to manage their resources. I will be cognizant of how much I'm throwing at them right now. Even after the... I, I still feel like they've barely been challenged overall. I mean, they won that one fight out with, against Veilish and, and Nass so handily, but they did have to blow some you know big spells to do it. Yes, all Robin specifically. Went through a lot of health in that last fight. I guess Frey had to roll some hit dice, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't, still don't see they're hurting that much at this point. Now, after all the things you mentioned, then yes, I think they would be very much hurting. And then we can look at maybe defeating Aerial Larthus gives them a boost of energy or something. What I want to avoid is the bullshit thing that a lot of the campaign, the five E campaigns do, and artificially enhance the player characters for the end because they put them up against some end threat that they have no business fighting against, whether it's uh, Tiamat or the Demogorgon or the uh, Iamrith or a Serac. All of those are like end bosses in these level like 12 campaigns and they all have to give the player some kind of extra thing to let them fight and win against that threat. And here I've actually got This is the threat they have to deal with. I don't think any of it's going to be insurmountable, but it's going to be a gauntlet of nasty things to get through. Basically, to where you have to fight like a back to back major final boss fights. I'm always nervous. Me too, dude. Like, it's. I always feel nervous. I always feel nervous for the players and it's almost always swings the other direction where like they always come out smelling like roses now every once in a while and, and it'll, it'll be the little bullshit fights like it's you know a fight against like four gargoyles or something that's like I don't see coming and like they struggle 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 with it's just the dice it really just comes out of the dice for a lot of cases Um, and, and thankfully as a DM I can help you know try to change things on the fly like maybe the doors don't all hold fucking barbed devils or something you know we can work on changing that if we need to I really, am not a fan of this trap because there's no rhyme or reason for it. It feels, this feels like a randomly generated dungeon type trap where it's like, oh, you know, the algorithm calls for a tier three trap at this doorway. So let's throw in a flesh to stone, uh, you know, fuck you trap after this door in the hall. Like why, why is this here? Why would the security system want to turn people to stone? That's just a pain in the ass. Like, wouldn't you rather disintegrate them or something? (laughs) We don't want so much of statues sitting around. Like, it it really just doesn't... It doesn't fit thematically to me. And it just feels kind of out of left field, especially if the players just had to pass a pretty rigorous little test right here where they had to deal with the Wall of Force and these two blades, and now you're telling me there's a a flesh-to-stone spell here? So I'm kind of tempted to remove this trap completely. And keep in mind, I am I kind of put a trap in the crystal room that wasn't there before, right? Which was the, the the laser blast firing the players and I'm 85% sure I'm gonna be able to get that off. I think I may skip this one though because I just don't like it thematically and it's obviously problematic from a like, oh, this can kind of straight up kill you unless the players have, I think, greater restoration. Spell save DC 17 is no joke. I do think you have to fail multiple times. Uh, I guess it's, tw- oh no, it's three times, yeah. If it fails three times, it's turned to stone and petrified for the duration. Which I guess is just permanent if the thing is permanent. Oh yeah, if you maintain concentration of the spell, for the entire possible duration creature is turned to stone until the effect is removed. So it is permanent. So I don't like it. I don't like that one. I don't think it fits very well. It just feels like an extra fuck you for getting this far and it just doesn't seem to fit.
1: So, there you go. There's some balance for me. I think we're just going to remove that trap completely. Lining the fall lining the far wall of this hall are eight doors, each marked plus. It just interrupts the
0: flow. Like you open the room, you describe everything, they walk in, then you start triggering a trap like, uh on the wall above them is etched an in inscription entry conic, speak thy master's name and enter i like that and the players have learned some of these names i this is not a case where i'm going to be a dick dm be like which i mean obviously they know Cadavix, but i'm gonna be like oh do you remember their names players like we've been playing this game for you know even in ether we've been playing for months so they have they know by name ajamar apius Cadavix. I think those might be the only three that they actually... Uh, Taruth, they might have heard that name also. I know they met Apius, the Slod, and they met A- Ajumar through the Program Delusion. They've got Cadavix with them. I think the Anvil mentioned the name High Abdur or Taruth. I don't think they've heard the names of the others. Yeah, I mean, that is the... That's the whole deal with the swords. Yeah, it's going to be brutal for them. I hear you. <laughs> I think it could be really, really nasty with the swords. I agree. The nice thing is, they have seen these swords in action. So this is not like a me just creating these cool swords out of the air. The player's like, alright, we're ready for it. Like, they should recall that these things are nasty pants. They deal force damage, and they can deal a shit ton of damage. So it should be a cool fear thing. Now, they also know that Frey can take one solo one-on-one. So maybe they just leave Frey up there to solo these swords, and you know, I don't. I'm the thing is, the swords. I don't know how intelligent they're supposed to be.
1: They're a six. They're not mindless, but they're not clever either. I don't even know how much sentience they have. I guess six. You are sentient at some point. <laughs> you're not. You're not a mindless beast.
0: But yeah, they could, if the players, and that's the thing about the tactical awareness thing. If the players are dumb enough to just sit up there and crowd around and try to fight these swords, then yeah, it's not going to go well for them. Hopefully they can play it to their advantage. So they've got Katavix with them. Katavix can knows all this if they ask. It, it This is a weird case where like, if they ask Katavix, he'll tell them a lot of what they need to know. But I'm not necessarily going to volunteer that information because you want the players to be able to just figure things out on their own and, and have fun with it. So he's there to help the players, but I'm going to try to watch myself and not speak up too much as Katavix. Although the, the, the players may very well be like, well, Katavix, you need to tell us something. Like, and then I'll be like, okay, I'll do that, but <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to volunteer the information right away. Uh, so, you can recognize the symbol on the doors represent the eight schools of magic. Opening any of the eight doors reveals utter darkness beyond. The dark tunnel of nothing. Uh, magical darkness, I believe. The darkness fills the tunnels south of the doors and can't be dispelled. To pass through safely, the character must speak the name of one of Eriolarthus's eight apprentices and then step through the door associated with that wizard's school of magic. But if you open a door without speaking the correct name, a barbed devil appears in the dark corridor beyond. The devil can see in the magical darkness and attacks any creature that moves into the corridor without first speaking the correct
1: name. It does say they leave the darkness to pursue their foes. I would almost... Hmm.
0: wonder if you would let the players just slam the door, though, and be like, nope.
1: One minute after a devil appears, it disappears, leaving no trace of itself behind. i probably have them roll for initiative and just see who gets initiative first. So I think the only reason a
0: barbed devil is used here is because they have the devil's sight where they can specifically see in magical darkness. Which is going to be kind of a tricky situation because does that mean the players are effectively blinded if they don't have some kind of true sight thing going on?
1: Oh shit, barbed devil, what's... You're five, okay. No joke. You're a spiky dude. Got 110 hit points on average.
0: Hurl flames at 150 feet. Makes three melee attacks. Or can use hurl flame twice. Well that's painful. Has great saves. And magical darkness. And deals damage to any creature grappling it.
1: Immune to fire and poison. Resistance to cold. This thing is pretty solid. You will not want to mess that up. Don't know what's the best way to do magical darkness though? Dark tunnel. Just to draw a shape. So oh, then it would be it would be transparent if I do that. Oh I see the middle part's transparent. Well, Not, there's not a good way to do this in Roll20. Gray and black. And if it's a token, it's just going to cover up, yeah, no matter what color it is. But if you put it on the back, looks kind of dumb. Maybe it would be effective to hide it because they wouldn't really be able to see. Whereas this thing, you, you just see like fireballs coming out.
0: Someone has blindside, don't they? I'm not sure. Dispel magic, work on the swords. I don't believe so, but nobody's asked. I know they have uh, magic resistance. Oh, yeah. Specifically, the living spell can move through any barrier, even a wall of magical force. That's just a trait it has. I would rule that no, it can't be dispelled. I don't think the players going to get hung up here, because it's pretty obvious it has the clue on there. Speak thy master's name and enter. Or Cadavix can just go right in front of the necromancy door and just say, I necromancer Cadavix," And the door will open and your path will be revealed. You don't have to fuck around with this. So this would only be a case where somebody like Edmund is like, I want to see what happens. And just flings open a door at random. In which case I can make, I can start this action. Maybe even start initiative. But then assuming somebody gets it early enough, they could probably just shut the door, I guess. I don't know. If that just does it just spawn Is it an interdimensional door or does it technically spawn a trap, I guess? In which case, maybe it does. Like even opening it spawns one of these monsters, which having one of them they're still gonna get their ass kicked by the action economy, right? Like even with some great initiative roll.
1: Although 110 hit points. He's gonna stick around for probably two rounds, even if he's taking all the damage. Now, if they start walking, you know, going around and flipping all the doors open, that's I and mean, that's just dumb, though. <laughs> and it's you're gonna you're gonna get some consequences for those actions. Fills the tunnels south of the doors. It does say the devil the devils leave the darkness to pursue their
0: foes. So I guess once you open it, uh, it does spawn one that comes after you. But once it comes out of the darkness, it's a lot less scary. Yeah, you could have this like
1: dark hall there. So I could have that maybe ready to go. I don't have to make uh, dynamic lighting, I guess, work for that. This gets tricky. One there. This is going to pain in the ass, but this is just in case they open a door and then I can have that. Kind of be ready to not show them the room. Did an angle too, like a dumbass. Ugh. Widgets. All right, so I think. There we go. So if somebody opens the door, use our devil here as a big. Right now, sees all these closed doors,
0: you say, I'm just going to open this one. We open that one up
1: and then all you see is my race square. Let's make that. There you
0: go. You just see, like, blackness beyond, and then I roll initiative for some
1: monster making sounds and hurling fire and things. That could be, like, a work, I guess. Right, 100% will not give no shit since it's open a door. Yeah, I think. I, th- I mean, the curiosity is gonna get better at them, right? Like,
0: And bless those players that their curiosity can't leave well enough... Alone, that's, they're the, you know, without Abu grabbing the forbidden treasure, do we have Disney's Aladdin, like, bless those, those players and their animal companions that set off all the traps and hijinks and things, that's where the, that's where the fun comes. <laughs> Negative light, yeah. I have to just jerry-rig something. But right now, I can move this around wherever I need to, or copy and paste if I need to, and then we've got our barbed devil friend. But I don't... Again, I I see them making it past this, but they could very well just set it off just for funsies, which is why I have not, by the way, set these up as normal doors, because I don't want them sitting here flicking all these fucking doors off and on without me being prepared for it. So I have specifically not using the
1: roll 20... Doors up here. Then the Chamber of the Ebon Star. There's a balcony down here, which... Okay, doesn't seem like... I don't know, it seems pointless, but whatever. Door here. The balcony door. Sometimes it makes me stick it in places, other times it doesn't. Not sure why the rhyme reason is for that. Stretches cover all eight, yeah. That's I could do that. You all open the doors. Oh, it's locked. Okay. No. That's where I think the boss room is. Swirling starfield represents the cosmos, it was known to the netheries,
0: Character says starfield is a strange phenomenon, a dark star in a position where no known star exists today. Character now risk being cursed with a foreboding sense of doom just by looking at it. Character must make a DC-20 intelligence saving throw on a failed save, the character gains the falling fly, can't look at the sky because the ebon star may be looking back at me. Which doesn't matter because the players won't be looking at the sky for the rest of this campaign. Any character who succeeds on a DC 10 Arcana check Recognize the symbols of the chair represent the eight schools of magic. I, I don't think they need to make a check for that. Again, they think they can just recognize the schools. At this point, if you've come this far, you've seen all you know, most of the towers. You've seen you've seen the symbols on the spire entrance. Like that's stupid to make them roll checks for that. Anyone has a supernatural charm gained by drinking from the goblet. In area Y eight can sit safely in the chair of the school of magic. So they did, but then they lost them and instead gained various like. Verses and things afterwards. So I don't think that applies, but a wizard can sit in whichever chair matches their chosen arcane tradition. One or more party members take their proper seats here. The starfield transforms into a glowing door that persists for one minute before transforming back to its original form. So they've got two, right? They've got uh, Katavix and Valin, both necromancers, so they both have to sit. One of them would have to sit in that chair, and then they would uh, essentially
1: open the doorway to the boss fight. It just turns into a glowing door. Which, teleport into the boss.
0: So the stasis chamber is where the spindle is kept. I'm almost replacing that because we're not using the spindle in my campaign. Instead, I think this is gonna be conveniently the fast travel way to get to the Mytholah room because otherwise the players would have to go back through the spire essentially and then hop
1: over from the spire entrance to the thing. Instead, this, which I need to uh, come up with, um, I don't know. Magic circle, some kind of arts-looking thing that
0: basically can just take them directly to the Mythalar room. Because pacing-wise, there doesn't need to be anything between these sections. This needs to happen right afterwards. Be pretty exciting and cool. That could work right there. Magic circle, something that looks like a arcane elevator.
1: Uh, nothing evil or elemental looking necessarily. Okay, enough with the pentagrams, people. Love pentagrams. Not every magic circle is a demon circle. There we go, just a nice blue. That could work. I, okay. Uh, we're not gonna be able to make it fit exactly on the squares, but hopefully. Even with the room a little bit. All right, and then if you notice I put a
0: door here and it's kind of got this glowing bit to it and I'll be kind of, I'll be teasing the fact that it's got the same energy of this star to try and tease the players that it's linked together. And I'll even have a sign on there that says like "Mithral access or something and the door is clearly locked. And hopefully it'll just explain to the players very quickly you know, again, using video game logic, where it's like, oh, okay, I see this is locked by the same starry substance as this gateway here. And all, again, all else fails. Katavix can just say, yep, that's the quick passage through the Mithalar. Looks like it's currently being locked down by uh, uh I don't know what they call this, like the Ebon Star Chamber or something. There's a library, which is going to have some nice loot and spell scrolls for them. I don't really have anything in terms of, like, potions I was going to give them this late. But they could certainly find some more spell scrolls in here, including possibly a scroll of the comet, which uh, I'm kind of liking the idea of using, although I'll probably change, but they don't necessarily have to uh, be outdoors to use it. But that could be if they just want to be like, fuck it, we'll just destroy this city and try to get away. Like, maybe give them that scroll. So either that or the uh, Tarask Summoning one, which I think that one is built to get that one at the end of the Aerial Arthas fight. And we could wait until they get they fight Euryal Arthas to, get, to give them that loot, but there needs to be something cool in this library, and why not just give them a scroll in the comment? You also get the key to the balcony. I don't know why you need a key to get to the balcony. There's nothing in the balcony. It's got this megaphone. You can speak to people. I don't really get the point of that. Larthus's study is where you teleport to by activating the magic door in area Y19M. Door is a two-way portal that snaps shut after one minute. It can be reopened from this side by speaking the proper command word. Anyone who arrives by this route appears on the room's upper level, which the following box text assumes.
1: Um, and he's got a bunch of Nothics with him. He's got Nothics and Living dummy Planes.
0: Oh, that's cool. They put living. That's an interesting idea. I didn't think about that. The living demi plane. They've got a bunch of creatures in there they have to deal with. Galvan mate, three Galvan Majin and two Flesh Golems. Holy shit. That would be a fun twist. I don't think I'm going to use the demi plane in this final boss fight, though. Uh, instead, I will tease for the first time what I am going to be using as the final boss room. Although I guess I need to put a marker on where to deposit the players.
1: You have maybe something that looks like a starry field or something. Okay, is this
0: magic circle blue? Um, is this map from Seafoot Games? Just is called like Mind Flayer Lair or something. And it's got all this like brain shit everywhere. And uh, literally like a giant pulsing brain in the middle of the map. Which I have uh, lovingly put an Elder Brain token on top of. And then embiggened it to hilarious portions. Where it is uh, either Gargantuan or possibly beyond Gargantuan. And there's a whole bottom part to this map that's like a whole dungeon crawl. This is just like the final area. And initially when I first saw this map, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to use the Elder Brain on here and I'm going to have this whole little dungeon. But because of the pacing we're in right now and the long rest situation, the fact that I did end up using a lot all of the Spire basically and I didn't know if I would use it. Makes me think that I'm actually just going to fast forward the players into appearing right now in the boss room, and I think that's going to be work best for the pacing for sure. Let me go ahead and put them on this
1: doorway though, so we can just put like the thing there, and then that's kind of where they appear. Now, what to stock this room with? I don't know. This is supposed
0: to be a pretty challenging. Oh, I need to actually write that. I haven't done the dynamic lighting on this map at all. I'll remind myself to do that. What I'd like to do is get through that whole level two and then end this week's session at the beginning. You know, this is the, the good ending when they're teleported here and I describe the room and then I end the session. And then the week after, we would just do this one fight. Because I think big, marquee boss battles should take a full session. That's the perfect timing for me. So I really want to get all the way up until this point and then stop it would be the ideal situation. I have no idea if a normal Elder Brain is going to feel like enough of a boss fight. Um, We talked about maybe encasing it in a glass case. Or, you know, and, and force the players to hit that. At least if they wanted to attack it physically, it could maybe still take mental damage. Oddly, the Elder Brain has, like, no immunities or resistances. You'd think it would have some kind of psychic. I guess it just has plus 10 intelligence saves. And magic resistance. And legendary resistance. Of course, it has Mind Blast, but it's within 60 feet, which should cover... Yeah, basically covers the entire room. It's a cone, though, so players could try to... Split up to avoid it, though. Recharge five to six, and that is the stunned thing. I could see myself making a rule change here in that the stunned only lasts one turn, and then afterwards you automatically essentially succeed on the save just to help avoid some really unfortunate situations, like while Robin being stunned for multiple turns or something. Now, that's not to say that the... Elder Brain might get its Mind Blast Recharge back and keep Mind Blasting people, but at least then it would only last for a turn and that still sucks for the player, but you're fighting a brain that's gonna be doing psychic abilities. You have Spells, Spell Casting. Cast the following Spells. I don't think it mentions them. Spell Save, DC 18. because they're just down here. Plane Shift, Detect Thoughts, Levitate. Modify memory and dominate monster. I can do one of those. One of those. Legendary actions break concentration. Break the creature's concentration. A spell it has cast and takes
1: damage. Has to have a psychic link as a bonus action. Just automatically does that. Use an action. Let's turn. Attempt to break the link. It takes damage.
0: Okay. Uh, Psychic Pulse targets... Okay, so interesting. All of its things have to be triggered off of the Psychic Link. That's actually an interesting boss fight mechanic. So every turn it uses... Oh no, it has to be incapacitated. The Elder Brain targets one incapacitated creature it senses with its creature sense. So it has to stun? Okay. So this gets even more complicated to run this creature. So the idea is... It has to stun a creature with its Mind Blast, then as a bonus action, thankfully it's a bonus action, it can use Psychic Link, because I think stun does incapacitate you, to establish a Psychic Link. Which lasts until the target chooses to use an action to attempt to break it, which is a DC 18 charisma save. So the idea is it can keep on making these psychic links as long as um, it's it only can do one eternally has one bonus action, and it can only do it on stunned targets. So it needs to be able to get its stun on, and it can use that psychic link to break concentration as legendary action, to deal damage. Alright, so one creates 120 feet, which has like link target take the target. And enemies of the Elder Brain within 30 feet of target. Okay, so it can do damage to that target and an AoE with 3d6 psychic damage. Or it can sever the link. Which gives them disadvantage on all ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws at the end of the creature's next turn. Just as a massive debuff. So that's a little
1: complicated. But kind of interesting. Hmm... That's interesting, Sylvan. Make the AoE
0: 360 instead of a cone. The one round duration on failed save. Yeah, so I'm liking the idea of the one round. It it is limited that it can only do the Psychic Link once per turn, or it can just do its tentacle attacks. Which uh, does grapple them. I don't think grapples as bad as Restrain though. Does say it takes psychic damage at the start of each of its turns until the grapple ends. Now obviously this thing is not gonna be alone. That's the big trick. We need to have minions with it. And probably boost its stats quite a bit. Although we could we could keep the brain stats pretty close. I mean obviously we'll give it some more hit points but keep it at like AC 10, it's a big fucking brain. But maybe if we wanted to give it a big case we could and then the, the case it was in uh, could have better AC and hit points.
1: Or throw enough minions at the players. I still like the idea of doing the Helmed Horror um,
0: Brain combo. But i got to be careful not to do too many of those. In fact, maybe even just one. Because, you know, again, you don't want to be stunning too many players. And then it makes sense that there would be Nothics around as well. Because that would be primarily
1: um, the most... They'd be like the regular Wizards who are just too far gone. Find the helmed is it called Helmed Horror Headless? What is it called? I thought It was Helmed Horror, but I don't see Helmed Horror in here. Maybe it's called some I guess is it just under Veneranda? Is that named NPC? Yeah, it is. Veneranda Helmed Horror Veneranda Brain in a Jar. Which has the awesome token. I love it. I don't know because you supposed to
0: use both creatures though. Grapple is 30 feet, so realistically grapple and lift. 30 feet drop is fun. Well, that's interesting. Where do you see 30... Oh, reach 30 feet, I see. Also, notice how this room, there's like tentacles everywhere. So yeah, that's probably... and, And there you go, 30 feet. Gives me a pretty good distance. But I might even increase that amount.
1: And just have these tentacles coming out of everywhere. Even give it like 50 feet or something. I've been watching them and knows their
0: capabilities. That is true. Dominate Monster on Frey. That would be the most fun thing for sure.
1: He only gets one, and Frey has stubbornly made all the damn saves. I really have only those few little spells. And I feel like Mind Blast is still the best thing it can do. Oh, shit. Oh shit, it's not even a cone,
0: y'all. I misread this. It is an AoE. Holy crap. Mind Blast. Creatures of the Elder Brain's Choice within 60 feet of it. (laughs) Holy crap. So it is already an AoE. Up to 60. Just Creatures of the Elder Brain's Choice within 60 feet of it. Must succeed on a DC 18 intelligence save. We take an average of thirty-two Psyche damage. Me stunned. Holy crap!
1: Oh my goodness sakes! Oh my goodness! That's scary. That's pretty scary. <laughs>
0: oh, I think I have to make that. Uh, change the stun length on that
1: because that is crazy. Also it recharges on five to six. Boy oh boy. And this thing does have legendary resistance and legendary actions.
0: But if it doesn't have anybody in the psychic link, the only legendary action it can do, if I'm reading this correctly, is just a tentacle attack. And it can only do one because it costs two actions. All the other three all required to have a psychic
1: link. Boy, that is fascinating. Right, but we do know that I know I want
0: to use one of these just because the token itself is so cool. But it may come down to literally just using one of them because that's going to be a pretty like maybe as like a
1: mini boss, like a general or something, and use the Helmed Horror Brain in the Jar combo, which I believe. Go to that section. I believe they can actually do are. They are effectively two units. Unfortunately, roll 20 doesn't have a good way of doing that. I guess you would leave them. Well, hmm. Maybe put one on the hidden layer. Do they roll initiative separately? This gets really tricky. But just having another uh, creature that could possibly do that mind blast is going to be a pain in the ass for the players to deal with. Yeah, so these are a 60-foot cone. 100 crawling claws in here for fun. (laughs) Although the players just fought, what, four brains in a jar and barely broke a sweat, I feel like. I I got the
0: one good stun off, otherwise they were making those saves left and right. I feel like you should just show this, and only if the brain becomes detached do you then show this.
1: But I think you do get to run both of them as separate creatures. It's not a good way of... Uh, putting the tokens on there again. Yeah, I don't want to cover up the token. Hmm.
0: But if you hide it on the GM layer, it, don't, it doesn't really go unfair because the players aren't seeing it come up uh, in the initiative order. I guess I could hide it like off-screen
1: maybe? You know, put dynamic lighting around it might be the best tool. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I really,
0: really, really want to use at least one of these Helmed Horror Brain in the Jar combos. Just maybe I'll just have the one then. I'll just have and, and I can literally make it Veneranda, like just this is the loyal subject that was the one who took over doing the brain transfer. Maybe the one who brain transferred Uriolarthus, you know, and has just been a, a lieutenant, basically. And Erelarthus has grown enlarged and insane because of his solo connection to the Mithalar. And then because we need some more dudes in here, I think we just throw some Nothics as
1: former wizards that were twisted. And this is not the final boss fight of our campaign. This is going to be a big one. No, I'm not getting one of those Wraith and Action Fire of the Cools. <laughs> Terrifying too.
0: Uh, I do have different Nothic variants I could use if we really want We never got to use like the big bad
1: Nothic, did we? Came it did a little bit and then backed off. Nothic Preeminent. Yeah, we've got
0: Nothic, Nothic Stalker, which is the one that does the extra rogue damage. And then the Preeminent, which I think also has extra psychic stuff. Mind Flare. I gave them all Whispers of Paranoia, which is from the Aleph. They don't normally have that ability. The Gnothic Preeminent does have Counterspell and Hypnotic Pattern, which is a fucking pain in the ass. And they pro- I don't think we need another Spellcaster here, given that the Brain and Jar and Ben Randall will be doing spell-type effects.
1: So I think I'll just stick to maybe some Nothics and maybe a Nothic Stalker. And the number
0: I use here... I don't know. We can talk about that some more. Like I, said, I don't think we're going to get to this session until... Um after this week. So we'll talk more about the balance of this crazy fight we have lined up. But hopefully we can get through the level two spire in the meantime and get them set up for here. And then depending on how they made it through all those challenges, we'll be able to look at this fight and be like, okay, do we need to soften this fight a bit? Or, you know, what do we need to do here to make it palpable so they can get through this fight on the skin of their teeth and then have to go into the Mithalar fight feeling like completely gassed at the edge, but there's not going to be a chance to uh, probably even short rest between these fights. Honestly, it's it's going to be a real dick DM thing to force them to it, but but maybe by you know this going down, I can give them some kind of rejuvenation. We will see. For now, that is going to do it for this session of Crafting Ice Dale. If you enjoy the content, please do check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shout out to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Role, Christopher, Brian, William, David, Corey, Coat, 1337, Big Nut, John, John, Chris, Scott, Gene, Eric, Dan, Tyler, Nathan, Camp, Crystal Lake, Counselor, Big Chef, Andrew, and Daryl, and Gold Patrons, RPG, Paper Crafts, Pretty Boy, Anna, Yuma, Marcus, Deathless, Lizard, Lion, Sam, Lumpy Buds, Drome, Nathan, Fazek, Atora, Scott, Refus, Carolyn, and William. Thank you all very much for your support. I will see you all for another Crafting Icewind Dale session on Thursday. Okay.